Hi, I'm Barry Moffat, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road Sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 And I was just a boy I knew I'd have to wait Now there's broken dreams and what might have been At that stadium by the shore But those glory days of gold might return once more Hello, hello, how do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview, and we're back with another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Lee Gillis. I'm Gordon Henderson. Yes, the terrific three, the three amigos are back. We don't need Doug to have a good show when there has been so much fantastic stuff to talk about. This is... A, a show of joy, I think, Lee. We'll get into a lot of the stuff, but it, it's been a good couple of days all round in football. Absolutely it has. Um, obviously, Friday night fever. Um, who needs Saturday night fever when you could have it on a Friday night instead? Massive crowd in at Bayview. All entertained with a, a resounding victory. Um, had to be careful when I was dusting on the Friday night when I got home because I almost knocked it again off my mantelpiece. Um, then obviously a, a good win for the national team despite it being a horrendous game um, Rovers got pumped in the cup it's just uh, Carlsberg Carlsberg weekend uh, You've had a smile on your face Gordon since we've put the zoom on and it's not going to leave you is it? No I mean it was a, a pretty much a perfect weekend I mean everything Lee said but also uh, pretty much all the results in our division went our way on Saturday so had Annan drawn with Stranraer, Forfar drawn with Stanley Muir, which, look at the league table now, looks like we are in a very good position for the playoff. Uh, obviously or still to up. win the league. Well, <laughs> don't want to get too far I mean, ahead. Okay, all, all this excitement got me a little bit carried away. Even last night for me, the Whitecaps scored a 98th minute equaliser. Much to the ire of the home team that had been expecting six minutes of stoppage time and then they scored in the eighth minute. So that always goes down well. Adrian Heath's the manager of Minnesota. He didn't take it too well, if anyone knows Adrian Heath. But anyway, let's not talk about football over here. We're here to talk about football in Scotland. And we'll be back doing just that after we hear from this episode's sponsors. East Fife Community Football Club is proud to sponsor Glory Days of Gold. Keep up to date with all our community programmes through our Facebook and Twitter pages. There are classes available for every age and ability, from toddlers to walking football. Just search East Fife Community Football Club. May's Mortgages are Fife-based mortgage and protection specialists. 
Our aim is to provide our client with high quality, personal and friendly service. Our advisors have over 25 years of industry experience and have an outstanding record for sourcing our clients the products that suit their needs. Where we're different though, unlike many other brokers, from start to finish, we won't charge you a penny. Contact us via Facebook to find out more. Thank you as always to East Fife Community Football Club and Mays Mortgages for their continued support. They support us, they support East Fife. Go and support them. So, yeah, so much to talk about. We alluded to a lot of it there. So, to paraphrase Whitney Houston Lee, I believe Friday nights are the future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Yeah, it's kind of hard to argue with that, to be honest. And, and to be honest, I, I thought it was going to be a novelty, but hospitality was packed out. There was over 70 in hospitality on Friday night, which was fantastic. Um, the, that must be the busiest all season. One off. Um, I think the 4 for game was quite busy. But that'll definitely be one of the busiest games. Um, again, we, we did hospitality on Friday night. Food was fantastic. Service was really good. The Marjorie was flowing. It was beautiful. Um, the home end packed. The section A boys were from start to finish. It was actually probably one of the, the best atmospheres I've experienced at, at Bayview. They sang for 90 minutes. Outstanding. They had the drum going. They cheered every tackle. They cheered every opportunity. The, the place went mental when we, we scored. You could definitely see it gave a lift to the, the team. Um and yeah, you know, Friday night football, count me in. So, Gordon, Friday night football under the lights. I mean, for, for me, any football under the lights, I, I think, is fantastic. One of the things that I've loved doing over here, I get a lot of pleasure. I go out on Friday nights to the local amateur leagues. I, I, I do a lot of coverage on them, do some videos for, for YouTube around it. I just like getting out on the Friday night under the lights. It's just there's something magical about it. And watching the, the highlights back, aside from maybe the first five minutes where they obviously had camera issues with the CHAR that was, that was coming in. But, I mean, it looked a great atmosphere. You've got people that maybe play football on a Saturday. Liam uh, alluded to that in the, in the post-game interviews that were able to get along to that. People that maybe have to go and do family stuff or take their kids' places on a Saturday and can't get to as many games as they want. I mean, I was half joking, but also kind of meaning it as well, really, that I think this is an experiment that worked. Now, we don't know if it would work on a regular basis. There might be issues, the fact that the under-20s play out of Bayview on a Friday night, and I don't know if the Glens still sometimes play out of there. But is this something that we seriously should consider switching, or are you a traditionalist and you like your your three o'clock on a Saturday? I, I do enjoy night games and I did enjoy it was a brilliant atmosphere on Friday um, I'm not totally convinced that switching to Friday's longer term would have that much of an effect um, I think some of it is it, it is a novelty right so mm. you know if, if it was the seventh Friday game in a row would you still get the same kind of numbers through the door would you still get the same atmosphere um, I think there's other things like away fans yeah now obviously it's elgin so that that's another wee spanner in the works but even if you're coming through from the west coast or angus it's that 
if you're working on a Friday, it's just that wee bit more difficult to get there. And I, I know as well, um, you know, being an East Fife fan who's not from Leaving Mouth area, it's harder to get across. It's like, you know, you're finishing your work, you're straight straight out the door, straight out. It's a wee bit of a hassle, which for a one-off game, fine. Um, but I do wonder if for as many people as you might gain by making it a Friday, you might also lose the same number. Um, I, I, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more of it. I'm not totally sure. I think it's not like this is a new thing. We've said Edinburgh City tried it. Other mm-hmm. clubs have tried it. So I'm a wee bit sceptical. Like if it was just as easy as saying let's make all our games Friday, somebody would have done it. Um, I think there's downsides to it, um, but certainly as a one-off, I really enjoyed it. I know they've they've had the experiments as well of like six pm kickoffs on a Saturday. There was a couple of the the, the Premiership games that that were doing that uh, in, in Scotland and obviously in England. You have some of the later games as well. The thing, Lee, is we might maybe make a joke about it and Elgin having to travel all that way, but that could have been the flip. That could have been a Friday night game in Elgin, and how many East Fife fans would have made that trip? So there has to also be common sense that if it's El- an Elgin and Anna and a Stranraer, they can't have Friday night games unless it's like a local derby or something like that. Yeah, I mean, we pitched to Elgin for Sunday. We asked them if they would do a Sunday game instead, and they said, we can't do Sunday, but we'll do Friday night. Um, and it, it, look, it, it worked well. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, d- I did say at the time that I felt that we had an advantage on Friday because, I mean, a lot of those boys had to finish their work. Like They had to work till lunchtime, maybe two, three o'clock, and then get a, a three-hour bus journey down. Probably longer than that because they've been coming through peak traffic, mm. uh, like Dundee and things like that. So well, it's about what's four and a half hours to Elgin, isn't three it? Hour, three hours. Is it three? I think about three hours. Yeah. Um, so I mean, realistically, you know, that's a long day for those boys. Now, granted, our boys have had a, a full day's work as well, and have maybe come yeah. from Glasgow, etc. But it certainly gave us an advantage, and you know, a, a sort of tongue in cheek. Last week said that, you know, looking at Elgin running, they could be in serious danger. Mm. And they played like it on Saturday, um, on Friday night even. Like, um, we'll, we'll come on to that. But I, not, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they're dragged into the delegation battle for sure. Yeah, they definitely look a team that, that's out of form. I mean, normally, you know, I put money on Kane Hester to score, if that's still allowed, if you're allowed to, to take odds on that. But... I thought the the club just really, the club, the, the team just really managed to subdue him. And Elgin, I, li- I listened to my interest to you guys talking about that last week. Elgin do look a team in trouble, Gordon. And it seems to be that that cup run has completely de- derailed everything that they were doing in the league. And they've just not been able to recover from it. Kind of akin to the cup run that we had when we had the whole Dublin trip and stuff. And then after that, we just could not find our form in the league and we we ended up blowing a good position. Yeah, I mean, you know, you see it happening to certain teams, you know, different leagues, different seasons. Um, you know, it's always difficult to say, like, is it is it something to do with the cup run and taking your focus off of it or 
you know, if you look at Elgin, I think they had a not a great start, and then they went on this really good run where they they sort of motored up to third, and maybe around Christmas time that's just kind of flipped again, and they've been crap since then. So I don't know if you know they were just for whatever reason they were on good form, you know that. Well, I mean, it was Hester banging the goals in because without him, yeah, or, they wouldn't have been anywhere. I mean, that that's also a thing as well. They're so reliant on Hester that. If he's not on form or he's being kept quiet, then it changes things for them. But I mean, really, since the turn of the year, they've—I think they'll have been the worst team in the league by probably quite a way. Mm. Um, so I think they're really just you know, hoping that Albion Rovers and Bonnie Rig just don't really pick up many points because uh, we don't have many games left to go. Six, six games plus any in hand that people have—it's—it'll uh, be tight down the bottom. I mean, I, I've said before that when you get to this stage of the season, for all the playoffs, whether it's the top end or the bottom end, form momentum is so important. Because if you're a team, and we've seen it in the past in like in the Premier Championship playoffs, where there's been a, a top flight team that's been dragged into the, the relegation playoff and then they've just not been able to find that form. I think the, the best example is probably Hibs that year that Hibs and Hearts both went down. Hibs looked like they were fine, they were taking the piss out of Hearts for getting relegated, then didn't get their wins, got dragged into the relegation playoffs and then could not find what they needed. If Elgin end up bottom, I can't see them staying up. No, agreed. Um, I think form, you know, if you went if you went back and look at that, you you probably see that teams with form do better in playoffs. Um, and I think you're right, if it's a if it's an Elgin who've just been, you know, dragged closer and closer as the weeks go on, and they're playing a team that are firing on all cylinders, yeah, I can see it more likely to lose. I've got a form guide up here, Lee. So over the last six games, East Five top of the table, thirteen points. Elgin are bottom with five losses out of six, so they've three points. And if you look at the home and away form separately. The home for the last six games, Elgin's bottom, they've only taken two points at home from their last six home games, and they've taken six points, strangely, away from home from their last six games, but they're bottom of that form guide as well, so they are in big, big trouble. Yeah, I mean, the last game they won was against Dumbarton, but I mean, who hasn't beat them recently? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I really feel for Elgin, because their next two games are Sterling Sterling, then they play Albion Rovers, Oh, that's a tasty one. I think if they lose to Albion Rovers, they'll finish bottom. And what I'm beginning to wonder is if teams have sussed out Elgin's pasture play, and I've said it all season, they're 10 diddies in Kane Hester. Mm. I mean, um, I I put that up on on Twitter, and I think it was Stuart Kirkcaldy who said, you know, I thought that they had some some good chances. I mean, they didn't really create much. I mean, the, the, the one save from from Fleming was about as close as they got. And look, every team's going to have spells in games at this level. But there, I was never sitting at any point thinking, we're going to lose this. I actually no. felt really comfortable. I thought Sam, and I want to come on to Sam Denham at some point today, but him and Murdo just nullified Hester. He didn't kick the ball. And you could see the players getting on to Hester um, we spoke to a couple of these five players after the game and I was like, 
Hester was so quiet the day. The, the, he said that the players um, were abusing them. Like the other Elgin players were, were moaning constantly at him. Aaron Steele was noising him up. Um, and it was great to watch, to be honest, because he threw a hissy fit at one point at Aaron Steele as well. And, and, and what, I, what I do genuinely believe is teams have figured out if you could stop the ball getting to Kane Hester, you stop Elgin scoring goals. Yeah. And, and that's it. And so I mean, in that situation, the Elgin players should be having a look at themselves. It's like, you can't just rely on this one guy. It's like he's carried you all season. Don't yell at him because he's getting marked out the game. Actually yeah. pick your own game up. But that's what I'm saying. The point is, the boy Dingwall's all right for them. Um, McCarthy is okay. Apart from that, the Elgin are a really poor side. Mm. Um, they're a really poor side. And, you know, like I say, it was sort of tongue-in-cheek last week. But, I mean, would would I rather play Elgin or Bonnie Rig? Elgin. Would I rather play Elgin or Albion Rovers? No, Elgin. You know, and, and, that's, and that's not just because we've beaten them four times, but... Realistically, I mean, if say Kane Hester pulls a hammy, they're done. They're done. They'll not win another game this season that happens. hundred um, percent. You know, and I'm looking at their results and I don't know where to pick up their next win. Yeah, because they haven't got that, that momentum and that confidence behind them that they're going to also be looking at that thinking, shit, where are we going to get these points from? Let, let's yeah. get into the game now then. And from watching the highlights, Gordon, it, w- it was dominant from East Fife in that first half. That first 40 minutes, it was just East Fife constantly, and it was only in the last couple of minutes of the half that Elgin had a, a couple of looks. But just the way they played, the way the game took the game to Elgin, I mean, really, it's amazing that they went more than one goal to the good by halftime. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think the second half at Bonnie Rig, and then probably the first half, on Friday night, were probably the two best 45 minutes of football we've played all season. Can't think of another one. Um, we were really, really good all over them. And it wasn't just, you know, we were keeping the ball and keeping them out. We were creating chances. Um, and, yeah, and it was it, it, we were so dominant, you start to get that feeling of, we might regret this if we don't, mm-hmm. if we don't make this more than one. And yeah, El- I mean, Elgin's best chance of the game came just before half time, and they probably should have scored that. Um, but it did, you know, really, if we'd gone on 3 0 up at half time, I don't think anyone would have had any complaints. Uh, El- Elgin had a wee spell of pressure, I think, first first part of the second half. Uh, but once that was over, I think it was it was pretty plain sailing. And I think 2 2 0 really didn't do it justice overall to how much better than them we were. Fantastic goal as well, Lee, to, to take the lead. Another perfect pinpoint delivery from young Fergie. And Steely just rose unchallenged there. I kinda when I saw it from behind, I did wonder if he had kind of pushed down on the Elgin guy, but I'm not sure that he did. I just thought he was he's just so dominant in the air that he just got so far above him. Yeah, I, I can't remember if I've told this story or not, right? But every game this season, I sit beside Isla and her dad, and every game this season I say Oh yeah, one 0 Aaron Steele when when we get a corner. So obviously we get the corner, and my dad who was at the game on Friday he turned around and went to me one 0 Aaron Steele and I went I fancy Sam Denham here actually. Naturally, oh. <laughs> um, Aaron's odd like a salmon and and heads it in. But um, I've not actually said this yet, but 
Um, and still sat next to me at the Scotland game yesterday. Um, oh. So I, I bumped in. Uh, I was I'd taking my seat, and then I just felt a tap on my shoulder, and he came and he said hello. Um, and he was sitting by himself because his family he could only get tickets in that stand, and his family were in another one. And I was like, well, there's a space here if you want to sit beside us, and he did. So I was picking his brain about stuff, and he said that he, he had a chance in the first half where he felt that um, he was going to get the better of the boy that was marking him. So he'd actually said to Fergie, he's like, I'm going to get the better and just put it on my head. And he's like, exactly what Fergie did. And I mean, it was some header from Steely. Yeah. He's so good in the air. And the best right back in League Two, fact. I mean, we've talked recently on the show just about how good Ferguson has been. And he's he's one of those guys on the team that he can just send those balls in that are just perfect. And it's like, I, I know Steele still has the work to do and to get onto that, but the delivery was just fantastic. It was, but let's. I, I, it's difficult to obviously say that from the highlights. A couple of his deliveries were really poor on Friday. Ah, okay. And I think that being, being objective, it's, it, like, it's only fair to call out that as well. I don't actually think Friday was one of Fergie's better games. I thought he was quite quiet at, at parts of it. Um, but, you know, an inch-perfect delivery. I mean, he's... His assists for us this season must be in the double figures now. If not, if not now, then he will finish on that at the end of the season. I think two things have really helped his game um, latterly in the last six, seven weeks. Alan Troughton dropping it in the position that he's gone in is allowing him creative freedom. It's just like instead of playing Fergie further forward, we've actually dropped Troughton into where Fergie was playing and it's just changed our midfield. The other thing, particularly the last two weeks, and I'll be interested to see Gordon's take on this, Connor McManus was absolutely fantastic on Friday. And, and I feel so sorry for Pat Slattery. And I feel so sorry for Brogan Walls because none of these boys have done anything wrong. But the the the, the catalyst to change for us in the last six, seven weeks is having a full birthday team to pick from. And there's that competition for places that's just driving the competitive mess of it forward. Because say Steely goes in a bad run of games, sure, Murdoch's there to go right back. Sam Denham has a bad game now. You've got Aidan Quinn to come back in that team. You've got Johnny Page that can't get back in the team now. You know what I mean? Middle of the pack, you've got Brogan Walsh, you've got Fergie, you've got Trout, and you've got Conor McManus, you've got Pat Slattery. So all these boys have to be on it for 90 minutes because if they're not, they're dropped. Jack Healy, he doesn't have a, a good game. You've got Ryan Shavoni that can come play that position. You've got Aidan Denham that can come play that position. You've got Rabbi Omar that can come and play that position. The only thing that we are missing in this team is a goal scorer. If we had a goal scorer, honestly, we would be blowing teams away every week with how well we're playing just now. Yeah, I think, you know, particularly you talk about centre mid. Um, and yeah, I thought McManus was fantastic yesterday. Troughton has been playing really well. Uh, Ferguson has obviously been playing well recently as well. And you're looking at the bench and going, you know, for me, Pat Slattery's recent performances deserve a starting place. Um, been always impressed with Brogan Walls. You kind of want him on the pitch, but it's almost got to that point where there's there's too many players, you know, to fit into the starting eleven. And what a difference that has made because, you know, particularly centre mid, you felt that was just an area of the park that we maybe felt a wee bit lightweight in at the start of the season. We didn't really sort of take control of games. Uh, we didn't kind of hold the ball that well. We didn't. I didn't create that much from it. Um, but I think recently it's, it's a really nice balance in there now. 
and we are controlling games and you know it's an area of the park that we're looking dangerous from particularly you know last night some of the the balls Troughton was playing from from centre mid were fantastic um, I'm pretty sure two or three of them are on the highlights um, and yeah you know McManus is maybe a player that isn't getting on the highlights as much but he was excellent last night um, and it, it really does look like it's kind of coming together a wee bit yeah, I'm trying to temper excitement and expectation a little bit because we've been up and down all season with our, oh, we're going to be in the top four or we're going to go into the Lowland League. And it's it's been that kind of season. But going back to our earlier discussion, we're hitting form at the right time. We're going into the business end of the season with a, a full squad to pick from, players that's full of confidence, competition. And... The form guide, as I said, we're out on top right now from the last six games. That's everything that you want going into the last quarter of the season, going into hopefully the playoffs. We're up to third, but we'll get to the other results. But we've already touched on that. They all went in our favour. But there's little moments as well where we don't put the game away and don't put it to bed. And then at the end of that first half, I mean, Daniel said in the commentary, and then when you watch the, the replay back, I agree. It's like, I don't know how Elgin didn't score from that chance. The save that Fleming comes out with, it's point blank and it's from a deflection. But that loose ball should have been poked home. I, I just don't know how they didn't. Well, I, I, think it was, I think it was Liam Newton that basically got the, uh, the second ball. He's tried to clear it, but he smacked it off the post. Oh, is it his foot that got to it? It wasn't an Elgin player. It was a sort of, Jeez. you know, very lucky because a couple of inches the other way, and he's just basically come in and pile drove that right into his own net. Um, I think I think it was Newton that cleared it, and it just hit the post. And it hits his hand. Yeah, it hit his hand oh. as well. Yeah. So do you want to know what? We've not had an awful lot of rub of the green this season. And as, as when things aren't going for you, you don't get those moments. But now that we've got that momentum, it almost feels like the tide's turning. And you know what I'm like? I'm Mr. You know, negative at times and like, um, I want to be cautious and let's try and keep things on the ground. I think the form we're in will finish top four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would actually put money on that now. I think it'd be um, a disappointment now if we don't, yeah. just to be the form that we're in. And like I said, I think I said this last week as well, but I think there'll be a lot of people due Greg McDonald an apology um, yep. at the end of the season. Um, if, you know, if we, we don't finish in top four and all the people are saying Gary Naismith in and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, Gary went in and he started getting a, a tune out of Steny, but really that's that tune's gone quite flat now. Um, they're, they're not performing the way that they should be. But like I say, I think that... In our team, we really miss a goal scorer. And it's not a slight on, on, on Scott Shepard. I just don't think he's a finisher. And you could see that. There's at times, so he had a chance in the first half that he... What, what, I, I'm not going to say it annoys me about Shepard, but what frustrates me is he does so well in using his intelligence. He's clearly an intelligent footballer in the way that he, he moves his body, the way that he, he runs, he makes his runs because he manages to get the ball into the position but then it's almost as if he takes a touch slightly to the wrong side and he narrows his angle. So he, he, he gets in front of the defender and creates the opportunity and you're like, yes, yes, stick it away. And then it's almost like he's, he's missed his opportunity because he's then taken a... a 
you know, a, a, a touch slightly to the left when he should have knocked it to the right, or um, if if he has the confidence, you know, he, he drills it low towards the back post, but actually in, in, in that one, I think he drilled it right at the keeper. So it's if we had a a Hester, or if we had a let's try to think of a Jack Hamilton in this team, for example, we would be in a, a lot better a better place because I I don't think that Shev's an out and out goal scorer. Shepherds are not an out and out and out goal scorer. You know, Healy's chipped him a couple of goals, but he's not going to score every week. We've not seen Aiden Denham score a goal. The majority of our goals have come from Troughton, who's obviously played as like a, a false nine almost this season and is now playing in midfield. Um, and then really you're still talking looking at the likes of Mercer and Fergie etc chipping in the goals but if, if we could add a striker to this team then you know we've, we've got a good season next season ahead of us if we could retain the players that we've got of course The second half it was obviously hard to gauge fully just from, from watching the the highlights but it, it seemed that we fell out of the game a little bit is that fair to say that or did it just not really get reflected in the highlights? I think certainly first part of the second half, you know, El- Elgin came out and had had a wee spell. Um, we did look like we lost a wee bit of that momentum for the first half. Um, and they they sort of created a few wee chances. I mean, nothing nothing that was really clear cut or I, I don't think Fleming necessarily had to make a big save, but maybe a few that were blocked or you know, almost made a chance. Uh but I think once that once that kind of passed, um we took control of the game a wee bit more. I mean maybe not maybe not playing the same kind of football as the first half where we were kind of tearing them open a wee bit. But you know, once they had their wee 15, 20 minute spell, I feel kind of we came back on top and you weren't really worried about them uh anymore after that. Certainly the first half I think was a better performance. Um, the second half, it was a kind of job done. I think. So a second goal comes. Shepard gets brought down in the box. What What's your thoughts on that? Do you think it was a penalty? I don't think it's a dive. I think there's contact, but he definitely makes the most of it. It felt to me given, he threw himself to the ground. If that's given against us, I'm livid. Um, I don't think it's a penalty. Um, if there's contact, it's um, for those of you that have watched the TV show The League, it's incidental contact that he, he goes down um, and lies there for a good while. How he's not lying there, pissing himself at the fact he's got a penalty, <laughs> is completely beyond me. Um, but you know, and as, as soon as we got the penalty, I turned and went, Oh, well, it's great because Trouton's on the park 2 0. That is literally what I said. And do you know how sometimes you, you watch a penalty? And you're like, oh no, what if they miss? Trent steps up and you're like, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you just never have the fear he's going to miss. Nine goals for Trouton. Sorry, ten goals for Trouton now, this season. How many of those are from the spot? Must be six or seven. Mm. Has to be. I, it's interesting. I've just got the, the stats up here because we're talking about like assist and stuff from Ferguson he's credited on the BBC site and I know some of these you, you can maybe question how accurate stats are for Scottish League 2 Ferguson's down with 10 assists yeah I'm not surprised at that yep Scott Shepherd with 5 obviously 
going down easy for the penalty doesn't count towards that, or we could make it six. But yeah, when I was watching it, I was like, I've got. To, I don't, am I just being a cynic and a grouch? Someone called me on Twitter last night a grouch, which I am. I'm just I moan about loads of stuff. Um, I've even got a T-shirt that says "Better and Twisted Old Fashioned Football Fan." That's me in a nutshell. But the when I saw, it, I was like, ah, don't care though. It's a, a penalty. Get the victory. Get the three points on the board. Up to third in the table, and then it was a case of seeing how the other results went, which we'll we'll come to in a sec. So just to sum this game up, anything else that you guys want to talk about from it before we get to the three two ones? Any other performances you want to talk about, good or bad? I would say with the with Shepherd to the penalty. I mean, whether he went down a wee bit easy or not, uh, I thought he did really well to d- draw the foul. Yeah, he shielded uh, the ball well. He's really good at that. Yeah, I mean, Shivoni gets the knockdown, but you know that's looking like it's McCarty's ball. But Shepherd, like kind of Lee was saying, he's obviously got that kind of intelligence. To be like, if I get in front of that, there's a decent chance I'm just going to get taken down. And I think. For me, it looked like that's what he did. He was like, look, if I can get in front of it, McCarty doesn't know I'm there, you know, good chance I'm just getting nicked. Uh, so I thought that was really impressive for Shepard, who I thought had a good game. Yeah. I think, like, at times we probably come across as the, the Scott Shepard fan club. Like, he definitely has his weaknesses. There's, there's no two ways about that. But I, I, I like a player that will run himself into the ground. Um, and he definitely does that. Um, I think that, like I say, Conor McManus, I thought Alan Troughton again, some of his passing on, on Friday night was outstanding. And I think we've seen probably since the turn of the year what the, the, the player that we thought we were going to get. Mm. Um, the first half of the year, you know, he probably admit himself that he wasn't happy with it. But the second half of the year, you know, you're looking at that and you're like, get the, the contract out now for, for next year. Because I was just about to say, would you bring him back next year? Yeah, but if he's playing in the position he's in, 100%, because he's he's definitely fit. There's no two ways about that. You know, he, he, he covers every blade of grass, you know, and you'd think for somebody his age, he would maybe toil with that, but um, there's, you, you can't take that away from him. He's He's been fantastic since we put him there. And I wanted to talk about Sam Denham, mm. who I think... We all seen the potential in him at the start of the year, but him and Steely maybe weren't the right pairing, maybe too similar. Since Steely's went out to right back and he's had Quinn or Page or Murdo next to him, all th- all three with experience, he has just got better and better and better. And you know, Jack Healy will, will quite rightly take a lot of plaudits for this year for a young player of the year. I think he's in with a really good chance of that. But I would actually feel really sorry for Sam Denham, who I think has been one of our most consistent players. And he's got to be, like, there's got to be teams looking at him. There's got to be, because he's so, so fucking good. Do you think that Sam Denham, like, I think defenders sometimes have this, where it's like, I I felt we had this with Gary Naismith, right? Like, in terms of defensive ability, Naismith is, you know, there was never any last-ditch tackles, last-ditch headers, anything like that. But he never got into trouble, because... Mentally, he's a step or two ahead of anyone he's playing against that. And I feel Sam Denham's got that kind of thing as well, where maybe who he's playing beside are putting in big headers, big tackles. But Sam Denham actually rarely sort of gets into trouble in the first place. 
I think he's he, he can sort of pass under the radar a wee bit sometimes because he's just going through the game so well. Um, yeah. He, he, for me, has shown experience above his years. You've got to remember, this is his first full season in the game. And I think he'll go to the top. I, I genuinely do. I would not be surprised if a Premier League come, uh, club comes in and takes... Like, if I'm Hearts, I'm coming in going, right, I'm going to buy you um, or, or sign you, stick you in our B team for a year, give you another year at Lowland League level or, or, or buy them, stick them in at East Fife, say, next season on loan or something like that with a view that he'll come into the first team because he's got everything. He reads the game so, so well. I mean, think of the players that he's kept quiet in recent weeks. Hester... Riley, Russell McLean when he came on, Ryan Wallace when we played Dunfermline, uh, Dunbar, and you know he's keeping a lot of really good players quiet, and I think we're taking them for granted. I do think we're taking them for granted, and it concerns me a little bit. Um, you know, I think Aaron Steele rightly got man of the match um, on Friday, although it could have gone to a number of people, which we'll come into in a few to ones, I'm sure, but. I wanted to, to have a, a Sam Denham Appreciation Society on this show today because he is seriously, seriously good. Um, I think we'll lose him next year. I'll, I'll be astounded if we keep him another year, to be honest. I think he could go full-time. No problem. Mm. If we were to go up, we may, might have had more chance of keeping him because yeah. he's getting tested at a higher level or someone signs him and loans him back to us because then he's playing in yeah. third tier. So yeah. that could be our best hope of keeping hold of him. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, Fergie will definitely go into St. Johnson um, next season. I think he'll be in about their first team. Um, if not, they'll loan him and he'll go and play in the championship because he's a better yeah. player than Baldi and Baldi's gone in there. Um, so I think that he'll go in and play championship with ease. I think the two players that I really don't want to lose for next season would be Aaron Steele and Sam Denham. I think both of them in fact, I'm, I'm really confident both of them will have offers to play at a higher level. I think if we go to League One, obviously there's going to be a lot of big teams in that division, so we'll get a lot of good away um, away crowds if we manage to get up, which would, of course, give the management team an inflated budget. So I would hope that we'd maybe be able to put a deal for those two guys to keep them. Um, however, again, you know, you've got to think, teams that even like part-time teams that would be able to offer them better money. You know, if a Kelty comes in for them and and doubles their wage or or if Cove come down, you know... They, Are Kelty going to have any money left? Well, that, that remains to be seen. <laughs> you've, got, you've got to think of the teams in the league above us that are going to have a bit more of a budget to play with. And I mean, these guys don't owe any loyalty to his Fife. No. You know, they, they, they're looking to make the best decisions for their career. And as much as it pains us to say it, that might not always be us. Um, but equally, you know, they're, they're maybe going to enjoy their football under Greg, which it seems to be that they're doing just now. But you, you couldn't blame these guys if they want to take the, the chance to play at a higher level. But yeah, Sam Denham Appreciation Society. That's fair. I, I think it's good, though, to have that self-awareness because of the fact that if if another team comes in, even a, a League One team, if we're still in League Two, you've got to expect the guys to move on. Well, look at, look at Scott Mercer's going to Edinburgh City. It's, for for their career, like the young guys in particular, they need those learning experiences. They need to be playing in the bigger games. If we go up, we do have more of a chance of keeping some of these guys. And it, it's quite funny how we've been calling out and the fans have been calling out most of the season to bring in all this new talent. 
and we didn't bring in as many as we hoped, but now the group we've got have started to find their feet and come together, and we don't want them dismantled. Yeah, that's it, but I, I think that'll happen. I think we've got Jack and Brogan Walls, Ryan Schiavone for another season. So anybody comes in for any of these guys, we get a fee, which is fantastic. Yeah. For me, guys. they're all too inconsistent right now to make that next step. I feel I think they need a a season of consistency and consolidation. Yeah, before I mean, they can maybe take the next step. I think Aaron Steele's had his second season now, playing every week. I would like to see Sam have that other season at this level before he went somewhere else. But again, you know, I, I think that the the competition for these players, because I mean, Gary Naismith was there on Friday night. He'll be watching them, you know. And if Gary Naismith's watching them, then you want to think how many other teams will be as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think it'll be a very interesting close season. But we, if we could keep together our form, keep that momentum up, we sneak into the playoffs and manage to sneak into League One. I think we'll, we've got a good chance of keeping them. We don't do that, and I think we've got to accept the fact that a lot of them will go. Also, if we do go up and we've had a late run, it brings attention to us as well. So there might be guys that haven't been on teams' radars until now and they're like, oh, they had a really good run late on to get this team up. It's exactly what we're looking for. But let's get into the 3 2 ones. We'll start with Gordon so that Lee doesn't copy him again. Hmm. Um, one point, I got on Sam Denham. I mean, we just talked about him. thought he had a fantastic game. Kept Kane Esther very quiet. Just kind of sailed through it. Um, so one thing I should say is I think this three two one was been really difficult. I've got a list of seven that I whittled it down to. Um, Denham gets the point. Two points. Alan Troughton, um, just fantastic. His range of passing, particularly in the first half, incredible, and obviously just sends the keeper the wrong way. It scored a penalty again, and three points. Aaron Steele. Um, yeah, I think he's just got better kind of week on week at right back, really. Just defensively solid again. He got his goal. And I thought Friday was probably his best kind of attacking performance. He was really getting up and down, made a few decent runs, getting balls into the box, which I think, you know, as a fullback is obviously you're looking more at the defensive side of his game. But I thought he was really able to kind of add a bit more of attacking threat on Friday. So. He gets man of the match for me. But yeah, I had um, Murdoch, Shepard, Ferguson, McManus were all kind of in there for me. I thought they all had good games. Lee? I've changed mine about seven times today. <laughs> See, this is a, that's a great sign, though. That it just shows you that it's a team that we've got now. Yeah, because I mean, how many times have we said this season, you know, you're, you're scraping the barrel to pick players and mm. it's the complete opposite now? Um, because, I mean, in my head... Conor McManus could have three points. Troughton could have three points. Denham could have three points. Steele could have three points. You know, there's off the top of my head, you know, a good few players, and I'm going to have to leave a few of them out. Um, I've changed my mind again. Because I've only given the fact that I've, I've sung his praises so much, I'm going to give Sam Denham one point. Because I think that if I, I go in that spiel and then don't give him any, then it's a bit of an injustice. I thought you were going to give him three, to be honest, the way that you were going I know, on. I know, <laughs> but, You know, I, mine's is going to be slightly different um, to Gordon's, but it just shows you how different football could be. Um, I'm going to give two points to Aaron Steele, who, again, I, I, I think he's a, he must be in for a shout where 
player of the year for the, the second season running. Gordon will be able to tell us how the, the three to ones are looking soon, I'd imagine. I'm going to give three points to Conor McManus, so I thought it was outstanding. Um, you know, I'm, I'm leaving out, you know, two or three players who had a really good game. I thought Liam Newton was excellent. Um, I thought Stuart Murdoch was fantastic. And, and and it's like you'd actually feel guilty for not giving them any mm. points. Um, Do but, we need to make this a five four three two one for next year? Uh, I, I think for for this game that we really should have done a five four three two one because that's arguably one of our best games of the season. We had a spell in the second half that I didn't think that we were very good, but um, on the whole, just it was cruise control. Are you guys old enough to remember the chocolate biscuit five four three two one? No. Ah. If if anyone else is listening that does remember that biscuit, then yeah. Uh I was gonna play the advert, but I've got my headphones on. It was great, it was something about covered in chocolate, five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, it does appear to be from the eighties, so nineteen eighty two. Okay. Let's move on. I am old. Um, we did touch on it, and I just want to say again, because I've seen a lot of fans make mention of this, the the young lads sang their heart out, got the, the team going. Uh, Glenn Walker was trying to encourage people to get some flags to them if anyone in the East Five supporters have old East Five flags in their garages or attics or whatever, get, get some stuff to the guys. I've got my old AFTN Trinidad and Tobago flag here that maybe I'll give to them. And then we'll have to explain why we have a Trinidad and Tobago flag. Um, I had a huge six foot uh, black and gold salt tire that I left at my mum's. And I think once her dimension stuff started to come in, she threw tons of stuff out that she was like, I don't know what this is. And I think she's thrown it out because I've not been able to find it at her place, sadly, because it cost me a lot of money to get it made. But maybe I'll get another one made up and we'll gift it have glowy days of gold, AFTN on it, and gift it to the young guys to take to the games. Looking around the, the rest of the results then, and it's been a fantastic week for East Fife. It's not been a fantastic week for Albion Rovers. They lost on Tuesday 1-0 to Stranraer. They followed that up with a 1-0 loss to Bonnie Rigg on Saturday. Both of those at home... And that has sent them plummeting just now to the bottom of the table. 30 points from 30 games. Bonnie Rigg, 31 points now from 30 games. Elgin, 33 from 28. So they do have those two games in hand, but as we've talked about, not in form, got some tough games coming up. I mean, we talked about Elgin, and we've talked about Bonnie Rigg going down. Albion Rovers, to me, if they're a team that go down... They're in danger of like disappearing off the face of the earth, because they've already got Airdrie just along the road from them. They've always struggled to to get supporters. They've got a ground that I know you said last week gets a lot better than it was. Lee, because it used to be an absolute shithole. It's maybe oh, it's still a shithole. A little bit above being a shithole. I, I don't know what that it's would be. It's a polished further, Michael. Oh, it's a, it's an actual proper toilet now. Okay. Uh, well, a, a, a kludgy. A kludgy. I have this a good word I've not heard for years. But they, like, you can't see them even coming out of whatever league that they go down to because there's so much competition. The difference, the the thing about Albion Rovers this season is they've got Charlie Riley. If you've got somebody in that team, now I know that Elgin have Kane Hester, 
but there was a stat and a view for the terrace mm. the Friday night that fucking blew my mind that he has contributed 30 goals this season between goals and assists. When you put that in our chat, I was like, fuck, that can't be right. And it that looked is, and it's that, like, oh. That is insane. And Albion Rovers have only scored 37 league goals. Yeah. <laughs> and he's been part of 30 of them. Um, so they're 10 diddies in Charlie, Charlie Riley. But, I mean, there's a very good chance that they can go down. They have sacked their manager. Um, yeah, I was going to talk about the managerial changes because... They've sacked it in our league, but in the Lowland League, it's like the managers are leaving left, right and centre right now. Yeah, um, the Lowland League's a joke. It's an absolute joke. But, um, you, and we're going to talk about open goal. Fuck open goal, it's absolutely... <laughs> yeah, well, that was going to be my let's all laugh at, but we'll come back to that later. But, I mean, there's... You're looking at the... The managers that are available, and it'll be very much slim pickings. Mm. You know, Stevie Crawford's available... <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true. Yeah, you've got Stevie Crawford available, but there'll be a few um, people you're thinking, well, who's going to go for the, um, the Albion Rovers job? Because, I mean, I know that when we advertised the, the job after Crawford left, there was a lot of really poor quality that applied for the job. So you've, you've got to be thinking, you know, where the Albion Rovers go from here? Because the, the, the thing is, is Albion Rovers actually do have some decent players, like you watch them, um, they've got the, is it Blair? Ma- no, Malcolm's um, Strand Rad, isn't he? There's a boy for um, Abbey over that's, that's a decent player. The boy with the ponytail, but I forgot his name. Like he's he's a good player. Um, Conker's another the, the big defender. He's another one that's actually impressed me when I've seen him. They've got a few decent players, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't see Abbey Rovers going down. Ah. I, I, like, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I know that's a wild shout, given the, the form that they're in, and they and they have been shite all season, right? But see, when you watch them, they're not the worst team you've seen. No, the, the two worst teams I've seen this year are Bonnie Rigg and Elgin. It was far far until McKinnon went in. Um, now bear in mind, we can still very much mantelpiece far far this season as well, but they're not going to go down. The two worst teams I've seen this year are Bonnie Rigg and Elgin, and Bonnie Rigg. I just think that their style of football is so terrible. Um, it's, it's, it's so terrible, right? But it's effective. And they will they will scrape results against teams. I, I just look at it, though, that... Yeah, you'd be a bit surprised, maybe, that Albion would go down from those three because they have tested us this year. And they I think at that very first meeting that they were yeah. dominant, we came away with a win. But it's points on the board. And it's like, once you fall into that bottom spot, the pressure's on you because you have to get those points on the board. It's still one of those three, right? I wouldn't be shocked if Albion Rovers go down. Mm. I wouldn't be shocked if Bonnie Rigg finish 10th. I wouldn't be shocked if Elgin finish 10th. Stan Rad could get dragged in at that as well, though, Gordon. I don't think. I think there's not enough games left now. They'd have to get overtaken by all three teams. Is that going to happen? I think Stranraer are safe. Um, I mean, but, but those three could could be any one of the three. Um, I don't think any of them are good enough that I would be like, oh, I'm shocked they finished tenth. I yeah. think Elgin. I think I still put my money on Elgin, even though they've got the most points, because 
I just I can see like you were saying I can see Bonnie Reg picking up a win or two I can see Albin over picking up a win or two Elgin I'm kind of struggling to see where their points come from I just checked Albin over's running they've got four far away Elgin at, when they play Elgin that for me is the relegation decider and and like I say it's not because I I wouldn't be surprised if Bonnie Reg went there but I just think they've got enough about them to make it difficult for teams. But they've got Al, Al Elgin at home, then they've got Annan away, which they'll not get any points. Stenhouse Muir, they might get a result there because Steny are, so, are, are pretty inconsistent. Then they've got us away. And then they've got last game of the season, Sterling Albion at home. Oof. Which Sterling might need to win that for the title or something. I've just yeah. looked as well. Albion Rovers have the fourth best goal difference. Joint with us, fourth best goal difference in the league, and they're bottom. The it's like but they don't, crazy. they don't, they don't lose. They never, you know, they seem to me a team that they lose a lot of games by a goal. Um, but the, I mean, the problem is, you know, they might look all right, but they've not, they've not won enough games, and part of that's because I think it's the same with Hester. You take, you nullify Charlie Riley, and what have they got? I mean, it's yeah, literally nothing. The fourth fourth best goals against as well in the league. Well, this year they've beaten Stranraer four 0 Bonnie Rig four 0 Um you know that the, they've got goals in that team. Um they scored three goals against us. But then like you say, Gordon, it's it's very much like I'm having a look at their results this year, right? And if we go back to the start of the season. Like the very start of the season. Um, oh, come on. Let's take all the way back to 2020 now. Come on. I don't want to go that far. Um, their results are so, so tight. Um, sorry, there we go. Start of the season, they got beat 1 0 by Steny, 2 1 by Dumbarton, 1 0 by us. But then they beat Bonnie Rigg, they drew by Annan. Drew with Sterling, 2-0 by Forfar, 2-1 by Albion, beat Bonnie Rig 2-1, 1-0 by Elgin, 1-0 with Dumbarton, 2-0 with Steny, 1-0 with Sterling, beat us 3-2, um, beat Stranraer 1-0, and then lose to Forfar 1-0. They get battered by Annan, but you know, Annan will do that to teams. 1-0 by Dumbarton. Then this since the start of the year, beat Bonnie Rig 4-0. Beat Stranraer 4 0 in consecutive games, lose 1 0 to Forfar, 1 0 with Elgin, lose 1 0 to us, 2 0 to Steny, then beat Elgin 3 0, and they lose 2 0 to Annan, 3 2 to Sterling Albion, then battered uh, Dumbarton 5 1. Like I say, I, I think they've, they've got goals in their, their, their team, and again, aside uh, Elgin. Uh, having Kane Hester, if he stays in the form that he's on, I'm telling you, I, th- I think I still think Elgin could, could finish last, and it's, it's a wild shout, but there's, there's every chance. Bonnie, uh, Albion have got a bit of a tough running, but I can I've, mm. I've more fancy them and Bonnie Rick to pick up points than Elgin. I was trying to see who had taken charge at Albion. I can't find it anywhere because the assistant had gone as well. I didn't see oh, that. Charlie, I'm to do it. <laughs> Possibly. 
because it's like he seems to be doing everything else for them single-handedly, but I don't know who's going to come in that can turn it around. That's the problem, because someone's got to come in and learn all these players with just a handful of games left to go. I think they'll take Rutkovics that's just left East Kilbride. That's my shout. Mm. Obviously, he was still an Albion manager before they went there. Mm-hmm. And they only went to East Kilbride because they had silly money. I think he'll want to get back into the game quickly and he'll go on to the end of the season. So I'm going, you were going to say something there before I jumped in. Saying like maybe a Billy Brown type character. Just <laughs> someone someone to come in, shout a bit and see if it works. Someone that's been there and done things, Gordon. What's he, what's he doing now? I don't know. He's probably like that old Abe Simpson gif, you know, old man yells at cloud. He's probably just... <laughs> Imagine him and Jim Jeffries like the, the the two Muppets, the two old men Muppets. <laughs> Complaining about it wasn't half bad. It was all bad. <laughs> I, I've got to read this out because it's made me laugh, and I, I know it's it's a kid that that's posted it. So I'll just preface by saying that. So Albion Rovers posted their club statement last night, saying we've parted ways with manager Brian Reid and assistant manager Scott McKenzie. Blah blah blah. And one of the young fans replies, going, "Can you repost my tweet, please?" because he'd done some photos with the players. And Albion Rovers replied, Hi, Lennon. We're a bit busy with some other things this evening. (laughs) Please retweet me. (laughs) It was a nice reply from them, as opposed to, Fuck off, we've just sacked our manager in. Shit here. (laughs) I've had a look at the Lowland League and Highland League. It's actually been a couple of weeks since uh, I looked at some of these. Spartans look good to be in that playoff game they've currently got uh well we can rule out Celtic and Rangers so they've currently got a seven point lead over the University of Stirling but the University of Stirling do have a game in hand but it's looking good for Spartans the Highland League's interesting Mm. Brecon's got three games in hand on Bucky Thistle so they win their three games they would be two points ahead of Bucky with four games then left for, for each of them. But Bucky lead the way just now in 78 and seemed to be banging the goals in and doing pretty well. So that's going to be a, an interesting battle at the end there. And those two play each other on, on the last game of the season. Oh, do they? Could be Oof. an absolute cracker, that one. Oh, if there's a stream for that, I'd actually buy that. That would be fun to watch. I know I don't buy these five streams, but I'll, I'll pay for shitty football streams. Any day of the week. Um, yeah, so so that's that. I guess we should turn our attention to the national team for a little bit just to kind of finish things off. Watch the highlights of that game this morning because the, the Scotland games now, they're on zone here and they've just been added to zone as I got rid of zone because zone put the prices up by $50 for a year having lost the rights to show the English Premiership games. <laughs> And the MLS games. And it's like, that seems like a good business model. But they do have Champions League and stuff that I don't care about, like Serie A and Portuguese leagues and all that pish. But now they've added all the European qualifiers in and it's like, ah, fuck. So I watched the highlights. Seemed a little bit worrying that after the goal, the highlights seemed to jump to about the 85th minute. It was tragic. (laughs) It was honestly, like, that was the, there was zero atmosphere at Hamden yesterday. That was, that was a sold-out crowd as well. 
Oh, no, it definitely wasn't sold out. It wasn't sold out. I mean, it was a it was, pretty good crowd for against Cyprus is impressive. I mean, we played 1-0 up, uh, up against Cyprus. Why? Why? Uh, you know, these these teams, we, we need to improve our goal difference. Get the teams um, firing all cylinders um, against Cyprus so we go into Spain with a slight bit of confidence. Mm. Um, you know, I, I just started... <laughs> Adams and uh, Lyndon Dykes yesterday, but I mean it was painful to watch. And we got the early goal, and I thought, right, okay, well we'll go on and top now, but we really didn't. Um, a whole wacky people left at like eighty minutes, and then obviously Mick Sauce comes in and bangs two goals in um, in the last five minutes. But the scoreline really flattered us because it was tragic to watch. I mean, were Cypress any? good because the highlights basically didn't show them do anything it was it was everyone behind the ball flat back five basically until the end where i think they came out and you know maybe went a wee bit more adventurous and we exploited that but to me like they came and they just set up you know all behind the ball counter when you can uh, which made it a terrible game and you know i don't i don't think we necessarily dealt with that particularly well it was only when they went a bit more attacking that we kind of opened them up a wee bit mm. they, like they took off their best player Gogic I thought he was having a tremendous game they took him off and then we scored two goals I mean we play Spain now on is it Tuesday we play them Tuesday Wednesday yeah. Tuesday and they had to rely on a couple of late goals as well for their 3-0 victory but I haven't seen the highlights of that one but I watched that game. I watched. I've got it on a, on a via play, and three 0 really did flatter Spain. Really did. Mm. Um, Spain first part of it. Spain had all the ball, like you expect. They got quite an early goal, but Norway came back in it. Norway had chances, definitely, and Spain scored two goals in about two minutes. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, it, Haaland was missing. Was he from that? He's injured. Yeah. Yeah. They so had their, they had their best chance came to the Haaland replacement, who just you know, blasted it over the bar. And you think uh, it's a pity Haaland will be back when we play them. But. Yeah, I was just looking to see exactly when when we do play them. But first of all, this the Spain game that's coming up. Then do we go and bunker? Do we try and hold off? Or do we think we're going to lose anyway? We just should take it to them. I think we should go with the attitude. The attitude that attitude that that. On on their day and when they're playing well, they are very very good. We saw it at the World Cup. We saw it against Norway. They've got weaknesses, you know. Defensively, they can be a bit suspect, you know. When they're when they've got the ball and they're passing it about, they look good. But to me, they're not they're not like a top tier team, you know. If we have a go at them, we 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 might get ripped apart. But I think you have to go and. Be, be a wee bit cautious, a wee bit solid, but think about how you can take the game to them because I think we will get chances against them. Mm. I feel like we played I against Denmark. Played, against... played, played like we did against Denmark at home um, and we've got every chance against them. You know, let's, let's, I, I would rather have went toe-to-toe with them and lost 4-0 than yep. try and hunker down um, and, and don't, you know, and, and it'd be awful to watch. No thanks. I mean, the big game's obviously going to be the 
the the Norway games that that's coming up. I I guess if we don't lose by more than three goals, we're kind of level with how they did. But I don't know if that's a good way of looking at it or not. The other big Scotland news. Actually, before I get to the other big Scotland news, what do you think of the new strip? I absolutely love it. Tried to get it and couldn't get it anywhere. Ah, oh, I should have. I was gonna like try and order it, and I thought, oh, I'll just wait a bit. And is it getting sold out? Do they need to get some more little kids in the sweatshops? Get yeah. them working overtime. Yeah, I've bought one for a dodgy site online. That's definitely going to be fake. But um, yeah, I got it for like twenty-eight quid, so I'm happy with that. <laughs> so has but, it sold out like all over? Yeah, can't get it anywhere. Because um, like Rachel, like she she really wanted it as well, and we both tried. Um, yeah, I bet she did. The shark, Michael. Oh, definitely only the shark. I'll have to see if there's anything here. Got it then. I might be able to get it here for you, which would be crazy, and I can send it over to you. Insane. Don't don't worry. I've I've got my. Turkey edition or whatever it is coming shortly. <laughs> wow. I started to get my North Macedonia kit that I've been wanting to get just to rip the boys. Um, yeah, so the other big news this week, Steve Clark extended to 2026. Happy with that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a bit mad uh, as well. It's like, I don't know who would be better, but he doesn't... He's not the most... Enthusiastic filling manager. No, he's he's not. I think that, like his character is very like dour. Um, I think you can definitely pinpoint. You know, you can pick out games where we should have done better. I mean, I think generally speaking, the Euros did not go well. But overall, I think we're a lot better. And I know, I know, we have better players than we have in recent years. But I think. I think there's a bit of confidence and kind of for the first time I'm thinking we're actually a decent team and we should be qualifying and we can qualify and whereas I think you always had that before of oh, I'd like to think we could but you know, we're not going to um, I'm I'm not 100% sold um, I still think I don't like playing a back three and he seems to love playing a back three mm. but he's only doing that to fit Robertson and Tierney in and I think he needs to strap a set on and pick one that's that, that frustrates me about him. Um, you know, you're trying to fit two players on a team. Tierney's not playing for Arsenal, so you pick Roberts. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly my thinking. Um, you know, and and play a flat back four. I think the other another criticism of Clark is he's far too loyal to players. Um, you know, there's there's players in the, the squad that you know probably shouldn't be in the squad. Um, Grant Hanley, yeah. you know, is never going to convince me that he's a, a top-level footballer. And I think that, you know, we should be introducing players into the squad earlier. I think that he's, he's very much like when a player is in the under-21s under bracket, he does seem to be quite happy to leave them in there. And that's another thing. Scott Gemmell definitely needs the bullet because um, he's doing a horrendous job in under-21s. But I think that, you know, the, the boy Dominic Kayam, you know, has played really well for for Blackburn most of the season. Could you be getting him in the team? Um, the guy that's the, the boy from Motherwell that's um, sorry at Middlesbrough that's that's flourishing under Carrick. Could we get him in the team? Um, obviously, there's a few players um, with Scottish. <coughs> oh, nah, he's not playing in a good enough league for me. And who does he come in and take the place out of? 
He's also not a great season, to be honest, and went off with a hamstring injury yesterday. Yeah. What's Payam doing that the centre-halves we have aren't doing? You know, he's looked good in the Championship, but, you know, Hanley, not his biggest fan of Hanley, but he's like a top-end Championship, bottom-end Premier League player his whole career. I think there would be a question of would would we bring in what would we be bringing in high M for? And is he, is he much better than what we have? So now this is going to sound a bit like, like an oxymoron, right? But Jack Henry, I know that the the Bruges have played in the Champions League this year, but surely you fancy the Championship as a better league than Belgium. The Belgium league is a good quality league. I think that is part of the problem but, with the Scottish mentality. Not, not we look down league. at all these leagues. Not the Juniper leagues. I had some really good players come through of late. Yeah, so, but you, so you take it. You look at Bruges, Anderlecht, maybe. Um, Rachel saying FC Mechelen, so that's where she went to university. Um, but really, is there is there really any? I just think that Jack Henry's a good player. I'd like to see him move out there. I think he had the chance to go to Italy. I'd like to see him go there. There's a few of the, the Scottish players playing in Italy. You know, you've got to be uh, wondering why they're not getting the team. Well, uh, that that's my big criticism, and it not just from a Ryan Gold thing, but he he seems to not want to look at these leagues, and he's just so focused on guys that's playing in the UK. I just think that's so narrow-minded. Yeah, I think Lewis Ferguson made the squad, but then he played Ryan Jack, and I'm like, why? Like, Brian Jack against Cypress is insanity. But, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm very happy with Steve Clark. He's the best Scotland manager in my lifetime, certainly. Um, you know, took us to the, the first um, tournament um, since 98. You know, I'm, I'm probably a bit loyal to him for that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, and, I, and I don't think Angus Gunn's going to be the answer for our goalkeeper problems um, long term either. But, yeah, I'd, I would just maybe like to see, I don't know. Yeah, like, could we, could we bring in the likes of Ben Doak, who's doing well at Liverpool? Like, I know he's not, like, breaking at the team, but could we integrate him into the national team earlier? Yeah. Um, he's, he is, yeah. he's a conservative manager. I think he is. Yeah, No doubt about that. He sticks with what he knows. He plays it a bit safe. And I, I would like, I would like him to, to be a little bit more adventurous with stuff like that. Absolutely. Well, there we go. Lots of football talk, covering a lot of bases. I think it's a, a good place to wrap it up. We're all in a good mood from a good couple of days of football action. I'm about to head out to a local amateur cup final as well, so I've got a fun day ahead of me. So before we go talking about fun, any fun things caught your eye this week? Any final thoughts? Gordon, let's start with you. Um. Yeah, I thought... As a, as a bit of a let's all laugh at, um, usually we pick someone that we're kind of happy to see kind of failing. Uh, it's not like that with this team, but Denmark. Oh, I was going to uh, pick them. Damn it, I should have gone first. <laughs> they were playing in Kazakhstan, 2-0 up and cruising, and they ended up getting beat 3-2 away to Kazakhstan. So no Three way. goals for the Kazakhs in the last 17 minutes, two in the last four, I think it was. Holy crap. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <Aye>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never seen that. I have I have a few. Um, Cove Rangers, um, they're 
is, is outstanding. Pumped 3 0 um, on Friday night by Air United. Um, 30 games played, which is the most in their league. They're on 26 points. Um, Hamilton Aki's who are at the bottom on 25. You've got to fancy them to leapfrog Coven. I just love the fact that the, the inverted commas, you know, ambitious team have been royally pumped um, most of the season. And they go down. I think that there's a very good chance that their owner will end up taking the money out of them because his wee experiment hasn't worked. They're losing 250 grand a year. How, how often is that going to get written off? And their free fall will begin very, very soon. And I love seeing things like that happen. People's vanity projects getting blown up in their face. And I'm here for it. Um, the other one for me is Wraith getting to the cup final and losing. Um, inject that in my veins because the, you know that that is their tournament. I, I, you know that Wraith Rovers in the Challenge Cup are salt and pepper, fish and chips. You know two things that go well together. And they lost one nil um, with a team that had played twenty minutes with ten men, and for lack of a better expression, get it right up them. You talk about writing off money. I don't know if you saw this story. Uh, Huddersfield Town, the guy that owns it, it looks like he's going to sell it. They've been saying it's an American investors, but I think it's actually Canadian investors. I think it's the t- the investors that are owning the new Canadian Premier League team here in Vancouver because they've had players going over on loan and training with them and stuff. But the guy that currently owns Huddersfield is going to write off £40 million in debt. He's going to bite that so the new owners come in with a fresh slate. That's just fucking insane. No bad if you could afford it. Yeah. But that, that's what, that's what like, somebody like Huddersfield, who's never even been to the Premier League, that's what it takes to just keep them sort of mm-hmm. idling around... We were in the Premier League a couple of years ago, Gordon. Yeah, they, they went up that once. And I think they're one of those teams that that's what fucks them. Because it's like they they got that promotion. Ah. And then they spent all that money. I know you get your parachute payments and stuff, but it's like these clubs go for the cherished holy grail of the Premiership and then they're fucked. Look at like Wigan, Sunderland. Oldham but I just completely forgot that. Mm. No memory of that at all. Yeah, I think the fans probably don't either. It's like, oh, I think so long ago now. Yeah, they got royally pumped, let's be honest. But the the Wigan one's a, a crazy one because they're in deep shit, like not mm. paying their players and stuff again. Um, I know, you thought they'd, they'd been through it and then it looks like, okay, they've they've had all their points deductions and relegations and now they've come out of it. And now, clearly, they're not sustainable. Yep. It's just sad, really. I remember they... I've still got their programme from their first ever league game. Because I, when I was collecting programmes in the 70s, I liked to get like them and Wimbledon, their first game in the league and stuff. And then East Fife played a friendly with them. So there's a, a friendly programme I've got from 79, where East Fife went down and played away at Wigan. So I've always kind of had a bit of a soft spot for Wigan. Um, my, my funny stuff's been picked by you guys, which was Wraith and Kazakhstan, but very similar, those two teams. Finish with this then. The Championship, you talked about Cove Rangers. Are our both going to survive? I think they'll finish second bottom and come down the playoffs. Me hmm. too. I think, I think Hamilton will get out of the bottom too. Cove will finish bottom. Are both going to the playoffs 
and I reckon they'll go down. Yeah, I think whoever goes into that playoffs fucked. Yeah, and um, obviously in, in League One as well, I did see that Clyde and Peterhead are now both guaranteed to be the bottom two. Even this early, Kelty are already like eighteen points ahead of them or something. They're they're guaranteed to be the bottom two, and I think they're both coming down as well. Let's all laugh at Peterhead. Did you see their statement for sacking their manager and then the guy puts put the boot into them and then had to really like retract it? No. Yeah, like the chairman came out and he was just like, I'm going to um, clubs that I've been going to for years and they're saying this is the worst Peterhead team in history and all this sort of stuff. Like proper lays it into David Roberts and then had to come back and be like, thanks for your hard work, Davey. Um, uh. it was, yeah, it was pretty hilarious. But yeah, I mean... They, Two clubs in absolute free fall. Do you want to know why? I don't actually mind Peterhead. Like, we always get good hospitality when we go. Yeah, up. they've always been really good whenever we've yeah, gone like, up. Uh, you know, there's a good chance that we'll be playing them again next year, which is fine. But, um, you know, Clyde, you know, get it up them if they go down. Like, oh, yeah. I, I think the only other funny thing I would mention is I, I did raise a smile at the Scottish Cup draw. Because I know how many people that will have pissed off that Celtic and Rangers got drawn together. So you've got a little ditty team that's going to get to the Scottish Cup final. They're going to get fucking hammered by whoever gets into it. But I just think it's great. And it's pissed off so many folk. Yeah, we've at least got one interesting game now. Out with the three, we've got one interesting game, which is Falkirk Inverness. That game is going to be massive for those two clubs. And that's that's what that's what I'm interested in. So mm-hmm. I'll probably watch that. Yeah, I mean, as fans of lower league football, just in general, I, th- I think it's great. I'm not a fan of Falkirk. Inverness, I've never minded because I like Inverness as a, as a place and it's always been a shit place for us to go and play. We never seem to do well up there. But I, I'd I'd like Inverness to get into the final, probably against Celtic, and maybe we'll get a whole inverness Cali globalistic thing again. Since we've lost like- our record now as being the only small team to to win the Scottish Cup it's like I don't care now yeah I mean I would quite like Falkirk to get to the final and then get royally humped that's like their fans yeah. are just so yeah I just can't stick to them yeah um, I, I'm trying to think of the word it's like they, they just feel so entitled entitled yeah, yeah. you know what machine gun talk for a water pistol is the, the, the probably the best way to describe Falkirk because they, th- they think they're a big club I mean the the shirt sponsors called like crunchy carrots or something ridiculous like that like it's <laughs> an absolute joke of a club to be honest um, and I mean last season they, they scraped by us in every game mm-hmm. and it was the frustrating thing ever because every game we played them would probably deserved to win and didn't get anything from but them if they but... get to the final though fans will be even more unbearable because it'll be like see we are a big club look at this potential that we have and then they, I, they get beat 10-0 mm-hmm. and they're all crying in the stands. Like, I, I, I really want that to happen. It cut to <laughs> I'm like, little kid in the stand crying at his dad and his dad's sitting there raging that he spent 40 quid on a ticket. And then, yeah, yeah. That's that's the dream outcome for me, to be honest. See how many goals Kyogo puts past him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, anyway. Do you know like, when you play, like, you're playing like a younger sibling at FIFA or something like that and you just absolutely batter them and they're getting rage, and that's how I want it to be. Sadly, it's usually me that gets battered at FIFA. I'm pissing it. <laughs> I've got a retro gaming system that's got lots of the old FIFAs going back to like FIFA 94 and stuff. 
still push at those as well. You got the one where they had like indoor five asides, like FIFA '98 or something like that. Probably that that's on. It's it's got it's literally got I would say over a hundred, maybe even over two hundred like football games on it. I'll bring yeah, it over Raspberry. the next time I'm over, and we'll we'll have a night together. We'll just sit and play all these old games. The Raspberry Pi. It's a Raspberry Pi system, yes, yeah, Samosis. Um, it's got like fifty thousand games on it and stuff. It's like crazy. Last. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, let's wrap things up. Thank you for listening to us for another Glory Days of Gold episode. I won't be back next week. I'm sure the guys will be back next week, though. And who knows what we'll be talking about then? Hopefully, another East Five victory as our March to the Championship continues, as in the title, not the second tier. <laughs> but who knows? But until then, we'll be back with more nonsense soon. Take care, stay safe, and mon the Fife! Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 And I was just a boy and knew I'd have to there's broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore But those glory days ago might return once more